hello everybody. Welcome to our interview with experts series. Today I have one of Australia's top branding consultants, the, the none other than Jane Anderson CSP, and she's a certified professional speaker. And um, I've long been an admirer of Jane and her work. She's uh, regarded as one of the top 30 branding gurus globally. Um, and she also, uh, she has written several books including Expert to Influencer, Impact, Connect, Confidence, and Trusted. So I'd like to welcome Jane to the call. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks so much, Derek. We finally get to hang out kind of in person. So, so we've been friends on LinkedIn. It's just the power of, isn't it? Like you feel like you already know a person before you've even kind of met them. So, um, so it's a special day today. It, it certainly is, and um, thank you kindly for it's. It's taken us three months to actually set up this call because you're so busy, um, basically working with people all over the country and also internationally, I believe. So yeah, really happy that uh, we've managed to put this call together. So yeah, let's get started with it. Um, what I'd like to ask you today is, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what it is that you actually do? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I'm, I position myself as a strategic communications expert. So I specialize in helping people to do generally one or two or both things, which is positioning themselves, which is around branding and working out who they are and what is the greatest value that they bring. And then the other part is content strategy. So, and that's putting platforms like content out on platforms like LinkedIn, social media, newsletters, websites, um, and speaking. So sometimes, you know, I'm in the ideas business. I love helping people get whatever's in their head out and into a way that people can communicate it to help people either lead through change or to leave a legacy. So a lot of my clients are either leaders, experts, consultants. So we'll build like it's like you said, like LinkedIn profiles and there's the identity and branding part. But it, as you know, you can't just have a profile and it'll just sit there and look beautiful. You have to actually work out what you're doing with this thing. So I'm um, teaching people how to communicate and influence and persuade to get the next thing that they want out of it. Fantastic. And um, so can you tell us a little bit about what it was like for you when you first got started on LinkedIn and, and how long ago was that, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so 2000 was just the beginning of 2009, so end of 2008, 2009. And at the time, I was writing LinkedIn profiles for job seekers. and But they were job seekers not locally here in Australia because no one here in Australia was on it at the time except for mostly CEOs, really. Uh, but I was writing profiles for uh, executives in global multinational companies. So we'd just come off the back of the GFC and I was in a global mode, I was consulting for a mobile, global mobility company and I was helping executives move around the world as a result of the, the crash that was on. So moving people from Dubai to Santiago and all these places um, and there was a lot going on the construction industry and a bit in Europe at the time. So I was writing profiles for people back then and then uh, as a result, what started to happen was suddenly I was working, I was still doing career counselling as well. So I'm, a, I'm still accredited as a career counsellor. I just don't uh, do it very often. But, um, but back then is that we also had changes in the GFC ourselves or as a result of GFC. 
we had in Queensland, so I'm based in Brisbane. It doesn't look like it. I'm all rugged up. I'm off to Melbourne this afternoon. <laughs> but um, uh, we had a change in government in Queensland and around 17,000 people were made uh, redundant from the public service at the time. Wow. And I had 80% of my business went overnight at the same time as well. So whilst I was writing jobs, writing LinkedIn profiles for clients and job seekers, we had a whole lot of people who were, prior to, the, prior to that sort of time, people were able to get interviews. I was having success with clients with their profile and helping them to get interviews and jobs and things like that and bypass the whole job application process. But at the same time was that when I lost all my, like so many of my clients, because my 80% of my business was government contracts, because uh, I was doing career development work in the government, um, I was like, okay, well, I now have to somehow rebuild my business because I don't have, you know, this income coming in. So I'm going to have to rebuild my own brand somehow. So at the time, that was when I shifted over to my personal brand as opposed to a business brand. And then, uh, and then I was like, oh, well, okay, if it works for job seekers, surely it works for, you know, if I'm getting these people all these interviews, surely it works for me to get leads and to be able to reach out and see who I can help. So I had to get out from behind my desk in Brisbane and I had to get on the road and go to Melbourne and Sydney because Brisbane was just dead because we also came off the back of the floods as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the power of LinkedIn is just amazing for to be able to get out and access new markets, and that's exactly what I did with it. Okay. Um, well, I think you've asked, answered my next question, which is what were your biggest challenges back then? Um, so let me ask you, when you first started with LinkedIn, how did it actually help you to grow your business? Yeah, well, I actually had a couple of challenges with growth, and one was that at the time, I was because I was writing a lot of uh, resumes for executives and then doing LinkedIn. But my challenge was I couldn't actually get a LinkedIn profile writer. I was the first LinkedIn writer in Australia. There was no one around who I could delegate the work to. And and I think uh, the first person who I really started to understand LinkedIn and the power of the algorithm and uh, was I first learnt from Lewis Howes in his course years ago that he had he doesn't have it anymore but it was a great course and that was where I really started to learn the how it worked but and I was like I don't want to write these things I just want to train in it but I realized pretty quickly that it doesn't work unless the profile is built really well and then secondly uh, I actually was I had to start writing them so it was the only way where I could sort of get get the ball rolling to get it to work so I'd, it, I'm sort of an accidental I didn't expect LinkedIn to become part of my business and what I did to help people but it was just the vehicle that was working yep. and as a result it's um, you know it's just so powerful and there's still so much power in it even 10 years later Okay, fantastic. And um, was was personal branding as important or as as valuable back then as what it is nowadays? Do you think? Yeah, so I reckon there was a change in two thousand and fourteen. So up until two thousand and fourteen, uh, in terms of your brand, I mean, we all have a personal brand, whether we like it or not. And personal branding's been around, you know, from you know day dot. Uh, but when it changed, or where I saw the focus of it change was. 2014 is when I noticed when I was helping people to um, when I was writing resumes 
and I used to have a guarantee on my website, this is how well they worked, was that uh, I had a guarantee that you would increase the amount of interviews you would get by four times after me writing the resume. Right. And that worked up until 2014. And then suddenly LinkedIn kind of took over and then uh, we had a surplus of people in the market as well, particularly here in Queensland. So I had to take the guarantee off and shifted from resumes over into into LinkedIn and just helping people be a bit more uh, assertive and aggressive with their profile. So, yeah, I, I think link, uh, your personal brand is certainly not going anywhere and it's been identified in the future work uh, future of work, there's an article put together by, um, uh, uh, was in uh, Fast Company magazine and Dr. Graham Codrington wrote a lot about personal brand and it's, so not just personal brand being a big part of your future, but also people like you and I that are in the personal branding business is that uh, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> people buy from people and they want to work with people who they know, like and trust and you know, LinkedIn gives us that transparency now, doesn't it, to work out who we're actually working with. Absolutely. And um, you would have noticed over the last couple of years, we've seen the rise of, of the so-called influencers. What, what yes. are your thoughts about influencers? Yeah, and you know, it's funny, when I wrote Expert to Influencer, I've had to do a lot of, a bit of explaining about, but it's not that kind of influencer. So, you know, if, uh, if you're anything like me, I'm a bit... Um, I won't say anti the influencer, the traditional or the new influencer that's about, you know, sports drinks or, you know, protein drinks and modelling in bikinis and stuff like that on Instagram. So um, so I think there's that sort of connotation of what an influencer is. Uh, but I really see an influencer as a change maker, is that they're somebody or a change agent. So there's somebody who is really trying to lead a conversation around some area of society or business or whatever it might be to help people think differently and prepare them for the future. Um, so I really see the influences that I work with are typically speakers who are out there speaking at conferences and events. Um, so they've written books, they're writing training courses, they're, they've got a voice and they're, they're unpacking some of the IP that's in their head and getting into some kind of platform to help people to lead them on the journey of preparing them for change. Um, so I, and I think for all of us, we all have the opportunity to be an influencer. You know, we, you don't need a publishing deal anymore. You don't need a TV show and to be signed up by a network. You know, we now have YouTube channels. We have self-publishing. We have, you know, the power of all this platform that we can create for ourselves means that if you choose, if you know, if you're passionate enough about something and you're prepared to be a leader, lead a conversation and to be a change maker or a change agent, then the platforms are all there. They're all yours. Go for your life. And I reckon there's not a better time to be able to do it than there is now. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. So would it be fair enough to say that anybody can become an influencer? Yeah, I reckon. Like, I mean, you look at... I was just, I spoke at a conference a couple of weeks ago uh, about generational changes with, within uh, this space. And if you look at, you know, Gen Zs, you know, for some of them, they've been influencing on YouTube channels since they were, 
you know, they probably started their YouTube channel when they were six and they're now 10. Um, so I don't think it discriminates. You know, if you've got a voice, if you've got the ability to teach something, there's some people who are really talented and even little kids, you know, I'm always in awe of, of little kids because, you know, we often think, oh, you know, you've only got something to say if you've got 20 years experience and all that sort of thing. And, you know, most of my clients are in the 20 year experience type mark. But I'm always in awe of these little kids who, you know, who can inspire other little kids to say, you know, you know, if I love, there's a channel that is on kids cooking, like they, they're baking and they're baking cakes and they're walking through how to bake. And then there's other little kids. There was a, a Facebook, there was a video that came out last week. I think it was on Facebook, a little girl teaching makeup classes. And she's like, I think she's about eight or nine. Like, she, and so, you know, if, I, th I don't think you have to be an expert in your field, but I think if you can inspire people, if you can entertain, uh, if you can, if you have a message that's um, something that can tap into the hearts and minds of what people are hoping to aspire to and, and to become, then you could certainly go ahead. Uh, you know, the market, I always think about someone, Amanda Stevens, who's a good friend of mine, she's a speaker of the year and expert. She's a consumer futurist. And she often says, uh, and I've heard her say it to some of my own clients, uh, she says, you know, you're not the best judge of your own expertise and your knowledge. The market is. So, you know, regardless of what you know, I think that imposter syndrome can hold us back a little bit, can't it? Because we think, oh, I don't know enough. But she says, you're not qualified to decide that. The market's the, the, who will decide that. So just go and have a go. And I think she's right. That's a good point. That's very interesting. So um, what steps would you actually suggest to people to actually take to become an influencer? Are there any steps or any tips you could provide? Yeah. So um, look, I think the first of all, the first part of it, of it is to have real sense of clarity about what it is that you're trying to do. Who do you serve? What pro And I think about, um, I often say the three P's with my clients if they're trying to work out, do I want to do this or not? The first one is you've got to have a purpose. So, and the clarity of that purpose. So, you know, who am I serving? Um, is there a market, that kind of thing. But And also a sense of your own purpose, like how does this fit into your higher purpose and your, you know, your mission and why you've been put on the planet. Um, the second one is the people. So who are the people who, who you're going to serve? Yeah. Is there actually a market? And the second thing is, is can you go and find them? So there's lots of people who kind of go, oh, I want to, you know, I want to help these types of people. So it might be, I don't know, it might be, um, uh, I don't know, like could be job seekers. It could be people who have, I don't know, plumbing problems in their houses if they're a plumber or if they're finance, you know, if they've got financing issues in their business or whatever it might be is the the next question I always look for is can you actually go and find them? Because if we can't find them, then hope is not a strategy. We can't hope that they're going to turn up. And then the third thing is the problems. Is I find for a lot of people sometimes, and you probably find this too, is that sometimes they don't always have the problem set really defined 
they, they or they've got a crusade on their hands. So the crusade is that, you know, they want to fix this problem and they want to change the world and, and, you know, I go, that's fantastic, but is somebody going to pay for that? Yeah. So if they're not going to pay for it, it generally means sometimes they've got a crusade on their hands more than an actual solving a problem. Um, and to solve that problem, have they really identified what it, what the customer is saying that their problem is, not just what you, you think that that customer's problem is? And the second one is um, their fears. So what are they most afraid of going wrong? So uh, I'll do a little bit of work with them around empathy mapping and looking at how do they tap into what those specific problems and fears are that that customer has. And if they can't answer the three Ps, then mm -hmm. I reckon you're probably going to have a tough time being an influencer. <laughs> okay. but, but if you can, I reckon you've got a good chance. Okay, fantastic. Well, that's really interesting. So purpose, people, problems and fears. Yeah, so um, purpose, uh, people and yeah, problems. Okay. Yeah. And then so sitting in the problems are the problems and fears of that particular market, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. And um, how important is consistency or congruency of branding towards yeah, the great influencer? Yeah, well, you know, it's a fine line, isn't it? Because... I think we're in this world of incredible disruption and change. Like I, I was just working with someone yesterday who's been a speaker for 30 years. They're one of the most experienced speakers in Australia. They're kind of like, you know, the person who mentors everybody. And But what has made him so powerful in his brand and his reputation is his ability to reinvent and stay relevant. So the challenge is if I'm going to have a... If I'm going to have a brand, I've got a personal brand and I'm known for what I want to be known for, mm -hmm. what if my area of expertise is no longer on trend or what if it's no longer relevant in the market? Like it's different if you've got something like, let's say you're a leadership expert, then we go, okay, well, that's not going anywhere. So great, but what we've got to do is a lot of work on differentiation and unique value proposition to make sure that we can help you to stand out. But... Um, but then you've got something like maybe, a, 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 like let's say it's um, a futurist. So if you're a futurist, if that's your branding and positioning that you're known as, then that's a, a really volatile um, category to play in at the moment. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be doing that, we go, well, okay, you've got to be able to adapt and evolve and you're going to be very much uh, on trend so in that case, what is the positioning that, like, that, or the messaging that sits in behind that that will create a lens and allow your brand to evolve and adapt without confusing the market? So there's a lot to sort of... Uh, my experience has been with working with these uh, speakers and, and experts, and even if you're not, an, not, a, not, a, not a speaker and not a best-selling author, regardless... It's, I think it always comes back to maintaining an integrity about your identity and who you are. What are the things that don't change? And that often will sit, you know, quite core to your set of values and, and uh, what you believe in. Mm -hmm. uh, but what it can mean is that it may mean depending on the category, which is positioning and brand, it may mean that, I mean, there's a sense of authenticity. There'll always be you know, you've got to be yourself and people buy you because of your unique, your unique essence and who you're being. That will don't, that, you know, generally won't change. But if the positioning and branding is in a particular category or space that's 
evolving or changing, then that's where your challenge is, is to stay relevant without losing your identity. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. Um, now, do you have any suggestions for the audience that they can actually apply to get a result with either becoming an influencer or improving their branding and positioning, some suggestions that they can apply to or some steps they can apply to get a result ASAP, what would you suggest? Yeah, first of all, I would say, you know, particularly if you're in the space of LinkedIn, for example, is, you know, there's such an incredible amount of people on there, obviously. You know, you're in, what are we up to, 600 and, oh, is it 680 million? Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's not hard to find the right people. So the first thing is realising that you can actually go and find them on there. I think what happens is a lot of people, and you probably see this yourself, is people, you know, set up their profile and then go, okay, well, I'm here. I've arrived. <laughs> you, can, you can come and talk to me now. And, <laughs> and they're sitting you know, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then they go, I've tried LinkedIn and nothing works for me or I haven't had any results. So I'm throwing my toys out of the pram and I'm going to give it a give it a, a miss and I'm going to go on to my next shiny new object. But, okay, well, hold on. If you actually go back, let's actually do a search and see what comes up. And so I know it sounds just so basic and so simple, but actually take the time to go and have a look and you'd be pleasantly surprised that if you've got an ideal type of client that you could probably actually find them on there would be mm -hmm. the first thing is um, and get attention out rather than attention in and making it all about yourself. Yeah. Get focused on other people and how you can find them. And then the second thing I would say that I think there's an opportunity in there is to really think about... Um, uh, Act like a human. So <laughs> I, think, I don't know if you find this, but sometimes people kind of go, oh, well, I'm now behind a computer screen and my interpersonal skills have now gone out the window <laughs> because I, cause they go, well, what do I say to this person? I go, I don't, I would just, what would you say to them if they were right in front of you? <laughs> you know, so it's funny that what computers do to us they they go oh i don't want to upset them you know what if they think this and what if they think that and then i have to craft this you know this masterful type message and how do i get this opt-in and how do i do this and i just think you know people want real they just want if you can just be a human just be normal don't be annoying <laughs> um, but you know just come with a bit of authenticity and connection and realness and without being too hustly. And I think you'll find if you just be you and just be a human, you'll you'll go a long way. That's very good advice. Thank you. That, that really is. Um, for everybody out there, probably the best tip I can give is don't pitch on LinkedIn. Take the conversation yeah. to the next level if you need to. Um, a yeah. phone call, a Skype, Zoom call, an invitation to an event, a webinar, etc. But don't pitch, don't sell on LinkedIn, whatever you do, because everybody yeah. hates it. Um, okay. They do, and you'd hate it if it was you. Like, you go, it's, you know, you're just like, hold on, I don't even know you. It's like, you know, that's the kind of whole human thing, isn't it? Okay, yeah. well, that would be annoying if somebody just did that to you. So, I don't know. I think sometimes com the computers can make us lose our sense, uh, like a, a bit of common sense. <laughs> we sometimes lose it because we go, oh, I don't know. Well, I, I describe um, LinkedIn in two ways. Uh, I describe LinkedIn in two ways. Uh, one is a communication tool. 
And um, it's a great tool, bearing that in mind, to use to get the conversation started. The other way that I describe LinkedIn is that it's the world's largest database of businesses and their employees, mm. quite literally. And then on top of that, it's got the social media part of the platform and it's also got your profile part of the platform as well. So it's, it's basically, to me, it's those three things. Okay, yeah. and um, what key takeaways would you suggest to the audience? Do you have any takeaways that you would suggest? Yeah, a couple of things I would I would say, and I'll stay probably within the context of LinkedIn and, and content and, and branding, is that I really encourage people to remember that LinkedIn could go tomorrow. Social media could go tomorrow. Everything could shut down tomorrow. And so my takeaway or my advice to people listening would be, don't because the question I often ask is I'll ask you know how how many people have you got on your database and they'll say oh I've got you know two thousand connections on LinkedIn and I'll go oh that's great but my question was how many people are on your database <laughs> and they go and they actually don't understand the difference yep. so my advice to people would be is make sure you're using LinkedIn to access those ideal clients and starting to work out how you move them into your world so don't think that they're always going to be there is that you know they're, they're going to yes they'll be there I mean the likelihood of them being there is very high but anything could happen and while you're you don't own your profile on LinkedIn LinkedIn own it mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things that are out of your control that could it's like you know the whole um it's like with Instagram, you know, there was the whole uproar about the amount of, you know, with the likes being taken away and now Facebook are following suit. So it'll be interesting to see what LinkedIn does. I think it's the best thing that they could do because, you know, we've got a lot of mental health challenges and things like that with um, those platforms. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, people complaining, going, but that's my business and my business is driven by how many likes and comments. And I go, well, if your business is driven by how many likes and comments you've got on a social media platform, I think you need to relook at your business model yep, because absolutely. you need to get more, get the control over your business. Yep. And, um, you know, because if you just sit there thinking they're always going to be there and you can always access them, um, you know, anything can happen at any time. So make sure that you're making the most of it. Get those people into your world. Start working with them. Start nurturing them. Um, and don't just think that LinkedIn is your database. Is It's a platform and a social platform, but it's only part of your tribe. It's not your, it's not the people who are, uh, you know, nice and close to you and, and get them into moving with, like um, working with you as a client. Yep. So that so what you're saying there is is get started, make sure that you establish, build, and nurture those relationships with people, and then use LinkedIn to help you transfer them across to building your database, and treat it as a platform that it might not be around forever. So get started and make the most of it. I, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and also because it's. I mean, you would you would have seen this too. Is like in the time that you and I have been on there, is that it it wasn't very noisy when we started it's become noisier now but it's still really organic and you can do a lot on there with no money Absolutely. so if you look at other platforms you've got to spend money to make it work this is still super organic 
get in, make the most of it. I think Gary V said the other day, he's, he's saying is that LinkedIn's like Facebook in 2011. So I reckon he's, I reckon he's right. For those who have said, oh, LinkedIn's become really noisy, I go, hmm, there's still a lot of opportunity in there. So don't muck around, get in and make the most of it now. Okay, great. Jane, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to interview you and to, and to have this chat. And uh, there's some absolute golden uh, pieces of information in there for the audience, which I'm sure they'll really appreciate. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. My pleasure.